what is up episode 37 of room 9 i sit down with my sister for the second time in room 9 history this episode is much better and much longer and i'm very much well looking forward to you guys listening to it so i'm gonna get right to the point and make it a nice short intro as always room 9 podcast.com is there and awaiting for your visit to fill out a contact form check out some things that are going on stay up to date with us get to our facebook page instagram page all room nine and in this episode with megan i sit down with her and we kind of touch base on some trust building touch base on the importance of accountability and relationships and we talk a little bit about how important it is to carry your own weight before you start carrying everybody else's and with that being said i'm gonna let you guys get right to it if you are feeling the need to help support room nine there are many different ways you could do that a by sharing everything on your facebook pages and trying to get other people to hear this message we're throwing out there and you can also help in a monetary way by going to room9podcast.com backslash support or just go to room 9 podcast website and go to the support page you can give one time or you can give monthly your choice there are links for all of that before you do any of that there is a letter that i've written explaining all the room nine finances and everything else and how they are monitored and how i am held accountable with that so read that that's a letter to a donor and that is about it business plan is getting finished up i bought a new audio interface thank you to all the people who help support because that would not be possible without you guys so hopefully all my technological issues are done with that is the hope and the prayer and the assumption and that is about it guys so this episode is absolutely amazing if you have a loved one that is struggling with addiction a family member whoever that is this is a great episode to listen to so make sure you share this episode with as many people as you can and i will let you guys get to it as always much love and thanks for everything you guys do to keep me encouraged to keep me going and to keep my fire a burning all right take it easy wait a minute you're showing a Oh, you better believe it. How you gonna know? Think about that one. You're showing color. That's the whole thing. That's what separates us. Yeah, things have changed. It's ridiculous. <laughs> in our original episode it was only like 35 minutes long with an intro i'm like yeah, wow this was a short one yeah what is up with that short. it's like a room it's nine the shortest one you've done it's up there besides like you did a couple by yourself that were short yeah i did one by myself that was like about that length and then the most recent one i did by myself was like 45 minutes so yeah i got shiced it you did well, that was back, what, I think it was episode five. So we're doing a 12.30 a.m. episode of Room 9. This is officially Woo-woo. officially the latest episode to date Yes, that has been done. 
And yeah, we're waiting for my children to get in. Mm-hmm. My mother's getting them. So it'll be a, a two o'clock in the morning venture. And I'm sure they'll get here and pass right out. But Probably not. Well, once you get them settled anyway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. If you make they them come lay down, they'll the pass walls. right out. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited. I don't know, especially excited for this 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 round. Yes. A long time sober me. Yes, a lot of growth. A lot, yeah. It'll be very exciting to uh, have them around and not have to worry about leaving to go get drugs. Mm-hmm. That's exciting. It's exciting to have you around <laughs> when they're around. <laughs> That's true, too. Yes. Yeah. I, I know I shared with uh, my friends today about that little joke you made about you know, buying them new stuffed animals mm-hmm. and how you have money to buy them new stuffed animals because you're not spending on heroin. <laughs> it's funny, but very true. And <laughs> it is very true. So when I first got clean, um, it was, I think, April 11th, actually, I started this app and I set it up for like the timing and I put in how much money I would spend a day at the end. I was, you know, spending, mm-hmm. if it was good, you know, a, a rough day would be like $40. So mm-hmm. I put in $40 a day. So... From that day to now, the money I would have spent on heroin if I was spending $40 a day, just $40 a day, $27,720. Yep. Holy cow. That's insane. I know. Isn't that crazy? $27,000. That's what I, that, I mean, that's the. If I had to spend that much money and I'm a teacher and like have a decent salary, you know, can make by. That would that would severely affect my life. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's crazy. I was like, oh, my gosh, when I was looking at it today, because I haven't opened up the app for a while. Yeah. Because I seen on Facebook somebody posted, oh, I got 500 days. And I was like, oh, I wonder how many days I have. And this tells you all of that down to like the minute and seconds. That's cool. What app is it? Um, What is this app called? I Am Sober. Oh, that's really, awesome. Really clever name. Yeah, but it's cool that it tracks all those things. <laughs> but yeah, it's important. one year, three months, six days, 36 minutes, 49 seconds. <laughs> but I was like, oh, my God, $27,000. That's insane. I mean, obviously, I couldn't keep up with that pace, hence stealing and right. robbing. and. But you understand why most people can. If you would have progressed, you probably would have ended up spending more and more money. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Trying to figure out. I mean... And that's when that's why it's like every moment of your life ends up being consumed by mm-hmm. it because you're just you scrounge up twenty, forty dollars, you go get it and, and then you need it again. You get high and even what even before you get high, you're thinking about how you're gonna get high again later on. Yeah. Because you know it's coming down. Yep. It's just a constant consumption of your thinking at yeah. the end. That's crazy. Oh my gosh. It's such a survival mode, you know? Even like when I was living in the Dominican for a little bit. You know, people can't even live in the moment often because they have to think about, okay, so I just got food. How am I going to get food again? You know, how am I going to feed my kids tomorrow? Just that survival mode of like trying to feed whatever it is to survive what you feel like you need to survive in those moments. You know, obviously people do need feed and food and water to survive. But yeah, I mean, that's for what, a drug yeah. addict. That's how it feels. Oh, well, you do need it to survive in yeah. a sense. I mean, until you get through it and realize you don't need to survive. But, I mean, that's like Maslow's hierarchy. It's classic. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't do anything else in your life unless you're you know, eating, unless right. you have shelter, unless you have food and yeah. water. But I guess for a drug addict, you can almost throw that in that pyramid because mm-hmm. 
basically I couldn't do anything else in my existence until I at least had some drugs in my hand. To help yourself not feel sick, yeah. I mean, luckily, if you get over that, you don't need that to survive. Right, but in the moment, in that's the moment, what feels yeah, like all that exists. It feels like you need that to survive, so yeah. I can't do anything. I can't go to work until mm. I can get drugs. I can't go grocery shopping until I can get drugs. I can't mm. go buy diapers for my kids until I can get drugs. Yeah, it's so intense that the brain can trick you to almost you know that you're mm-hmm. everything with addiction that you really believe that you can't get through that moment you know as far as like being dope sick or whatever like that you're not gonna be able to press through that and actually you feel like if i have to continue to get sick i'm not gonna make it like that's got to be such a weird oh it's crazy in this room yeah in this room right here i just remember waking up when i first came back in here from the oxford house i remember thinking like the last time i was in here I would just be, I would wake up in the middle every like five, 10 minutes Mm. and just be pounded with guilt and shame Mm. and fear of, oh my God, how am I going to get high in a few hours when I wake up or get out of bed? Mm. How am I going to go do that? And just every, every moment, it was such a prison. Every moment is just consumed by it. It's so crazy takes away any joy in life because oh my gosh you can't be in the moment because no. you have to constantly be thinking about what's going to happen next and what you're how you're going to get it yep and like i said even when you got it yeah at, at the end it's just like wow am i going to get more i need more mm-hmm. isn't it interesting though like i think even as someone who hasn't had an addiction to substances i struggle with my train of thought even sometimes just to live in the moment it's like the human especially in america i feel like we're moving so fast and always the next thing the next thing but like this summer even i've been thinking about all the milestones like first being a teacher having off for a couple weeks like oh it's so exciting and then then the kids are coming and oh getting to spend time with my niece and nephew and then oh i'm going to africa and i just could feel myself constantly thinking about the next thing and i just was like megan you got to be in the moment because you're just missing out on so much you know if you're not staying present in the moment in whatever season you're in but it's crazy how our natural inkling as humans is to just like keep looking forward, you know, whether it's for survival or just because we don't want to be in the moment mm-hmm. we're in right now or whatever it might be. But how unhealthy that can truly be at times. It is. It's our um, our biggest advantageous tool, but yet our biggest burden at the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ernest Becker, this author really like says we are gods with anuses. and we have this unbelievable gift to look into the future and plan for Mm. it and prepare for it and at the same time we know we're gonna die and it just burdens us that because we have this beautiful gift to look forward and save and prepare and because i always think of like animals lions and when they eat when they make a kill they just eat until they are so stuffed they can't move yeah they don't Think about, all right, where can I put this so it stays cold so it doesn't spoil? Right, right. And I can, you know, have some later on because, oh, dry season's coming, so we're not going to have any food. And for us, it's like such a great, and that's obviously one of the main reasons why we've been able to just kind of grow so much Mm. and be such a successful species. But at the same time, it's it's really the cause of most suffering. Right. Is thought. And you think, too, like environment plays such a big role in that, too. I read a book once about warm weather climates compared to cold weather climates and the different um, mentality that you have in those cultures 
due to that. Like, for example, people talk about people down south. Like, I remember when our cousin Becky moved down to Florida and she was working at a McDonald's and they were like all surprised at how fast she worked, you know, coming Mm -hmm. from up north. She moved so much quicker. And it's true. There is a different mentality even in the United States alone. And then you get it down to like cultures in the Caribbean and South America. But it's because they the weather is consistently the same for them. So they don't have to. I mean, back in the day when people were first living there, they didn't have to prepare for winter. They didn't have to prepare Mm -hmm. for these things. And often, you know, you see people in in colder weather climates are more driven by time, driven by tasks, not necessarily relationships and things like that, just generalizations. And it's interesting to see how environment affects the way that we perceive time or the way that we work within it too, you know. It is. And it's such a, I mean, that's been one of my, favorite things about getting into like Eastern philosophy and stuff and meditation and mindfulness and just being in the present mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. Because there's so much to behold in the present moment. Right. So much to learn, so much to see. Yeah. And that's so awesome. And you just, you, you miss out on so much mm-hmm. when you're off thinking about tomorrow. Yep. And yeah. there's, there's always that like contradiction, like obviously you will have to uh, make sure my kids got their, their sign for school when school starts. It's like, yeah, obviously that, but yeah. Like when you're playing with your kids and hanging out with them, are you in that moment with your children or are you somewhere else? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's true. I read a book written by a Christian author, but I was talking about the the story of Mary and Martha in the Bible and how you have these two sisters and one's very concerned with making sure the house is clean and making sure the food pre- is prepared. And the That's other when one's, Jesus comes to visit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The other one wants to just spend time with Jesus. And the book I read, it really had a lot of cool comparisons just to our lives and how are we the people that, you know, someone's there to visit you or someone has a need, but you are thinking about all the tasks you have to do. Or are you someone that's just present and being with that person, you know, and it was it was big for me because sometimes even when if someone walks into my house, I'm like, OK, everything's where it needs to be. Right. Like and if it's not, I want to get up and fix it instead of just sitting down and listening to what they have to say or what they're there for. You know, it's interesting how you can be so distracted by tasks. You miss out. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like doing this podcast has made me such to be better at active listening. You know, that's yeah. something I realized quite a few years ago that I. It was like, I don't listen to anybody. I just wait to respond. Mm. And now that I'm in like a coaching role with people where it's just it's about them. you And then just doing this podcast all the time with people, especially hosting. I can find myself. All right. I got to catch myself from drifting. All right. I got to make this an awesome episode. So right. what am I going to say next to get this conversation? Yeah. What mic drop am yeah. I going to use? And it's just, and that's when I find I, when I re-listen to all of them, I find I have my worst moments mm. as a host. And I really learn a lot from it because my, the best episodes, the best moments are when I forget I'm a host and I'm just listening. letting the conversation be organic. Yeah. And that's, that's something I could say, like from listening to them, I feel like you have grown in your mm-hmm. ability to just even allowing those moments of of not speaking for a moment and allow the conversation to just sit for a second, you know, to see where mm-hmm. it's going to go next. It's it's definitely a skill that has to be, you know, developed. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Developed for sure. I mean, that's one thing the original co-host with me, I don't think I think he was just in the, the thought track of, all right, I can just show up sit down and mm-hmm. do whatever and not have to work on anything outside of here and not have to pay attention. And it was just at the end of, you know, our time together doing this, it was just really sloppy. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I did an episode with him that I never posted. And I was just like, all right, I'm just going to let him go. And I, he literally just went for 18 minutes. Yeah. Just non rambling. I was like, oh my gosh. 
but that was kind of after we had our little, you know, not that we're conversation. I mean, we're, or, yeah. we're very, we're close still again. And, you know, nothing's, there's no hard feelings that I know of anyway between us, but we had, right we had a little, yeah. we had a little spat at one moment cause I was putting all this work in and he really wasn't. And, you know, he wanted to say, you know, well, you don't include me in it. So when I made that change, he still didn't put any work in. So it's kind mm-hmm. of excuses. But I remember we had that little spat and I was like, dude, it's an art form. Like you have to get better at it. Right. And one of the biggest things is, is listening mm-hmm. and actively and letting people talk and yeah. letting conversations go where it is. And that's a huge part of anybody's life, anybody's relationships, especially when you're somebody recovering from mm-hmm. substance use and you're trying to talk with loved ones, spouses, whatever, whoever it may be, yeah, there has to be this point of like pure listening and understanding right. somebody. For sure. Like common goals, common ground rules kind of set between you and that person to ensure success. Like if you're not walking in the same direction, it's very difficult when you're trying to like complete a task. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't have the same... Obviously, people can have different vision and, you know, collaborate and create great things. But in relationships, you know, just at least having a mutual understanding of what the roles are and what the expectations are, which as humans, we don't want that. We want to just do what we want all the time. Mm -hmm. But it's so healthy to have those things kind of laid out. No, it is. Even in the last episode, we talked about uh, the therapist I did uh, an episode with, Brittany. She's big on working with couples on communicating Mm. so we had like a little a spat about that on the episode and it's amazing how like sometimes people can be communicating with each other and it turns into i should say not communicating very well with each other they end up like almost arguing but meaning the same thing when they finally get (laughs) down to it yeah and they mean the same they want the same goal they're just saying in a different way yeah using different language and i remember bringing up the point like it's so amazing how powerful the technological tool of language is but Mm -hmm. yet at the same time is so limited yeah can be disheartening at times Mm -hmm. oh my gosh and it's really yeah i mean you find that's usually the main issue in any relationship Mm -hmm. when it comes down to it is there's no communication going on right and I was just talking with this guy that I'm starting to coach and our conversation was really kind of about communicate because he said he went on about how he gets defensive when he gets like kind of questioned or somebody's not really sure if he's what he's saying is true mm-hmm. or where he's going is where he's really going. And I really had that moment to share with him how you can't get offensive. Yeah. Especially if you're doing what you're saying you're doing. Right. You can't get offensive and you got to you got to allow them that space and at the same mm-hmm. time be and prove it though. I mean, right. here, here you go because I've had so many not so many, but I mean there was breakdowns with Christine and I when I was doing that designated driver's job. Yeah. And I didn't know I was on the schedule randomly. They must they just kind of threw me on there a few days before. I didn't look at it for a few days and Next thing I know, I got a text. Oh, are you ready to go whenever we get a call? I'm like, oh, shit, I must be working. This was at like 11. I was like, yeah, I guess so. And then I got a call to leave at like 2 a.m. And Christine saw that I was gone. She's like, are you really gone right now? And I was like, yeah, sorry, I got a call. And Mm -hmm. she said something about it being shady. And all I could do was here's a number for the dispatcher. I had them, you know, send me pictures of my locations, my right. arrival times of picks up, pickups and drop offs and everything else. And I mean, it's all you can do. But I think it's situations like that instead of me getting defensive 
it improved it and that was yeah. like a big trust bonus right. like all right oh, okay he was telling the truth okay right. as opposed to me being like you don't trust me right because that would have just created more mm-hmm. like for her more questions and more insecurities in that yeah. situation of just like not that it's an insecurity but you know what i'm saying like she would have been questioning it more like why are you getting upset about this why are you getting defensive mm-hmm. yeah and that's what yeah one thing i really tried to share with the dude is allow that to happen because that if you can be like no look at here here's my phone this is where it was right this is who i'm texting here's the number to where i was going or yeah what when you can do stuff like that the trust builds itself after you're following through and showing and proving that what you're saying and doing is what you're saying and doing right the questions will become few and far between as you grow in that yeah that's cool which i know i know dad is uh our father is pretty probably thankful that I'm done with this like a driver's job because he couldn't stand me leaving. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that drove him nuts. <laughs> and that was kind of adjustment. I think they're still adjusting. But my because I've been at the Oxford house, so I've had nobody asking me, where are you going? Mm-hmm. What's going on? And I could just come and go as I please. Right. And so I think that's been adjustment for everybody because I'm just kind of all right, in and out, in and out, going, right. moving. Hopefully that's slowing down now with the drop out of the pizzeria and the designated driver's job. But right. We'll see. I mean, it's got to be interesting for them, too, you know, as far as you coming back into the house. And I mean, just so much has changed since last time you were here, you know, when you oh were using, gosh, yeah. obviously. But also them, you know, and something I did say to mom at one point, and it wasn't an in-depth conversation we had, but just when she told me you're moving back at first and I said, you're allowed to have boundaries. You know, you're allowed to ask him for certain things and like, it's okay to do that, mm-hmm. you know, but it's so, it's so hard. We talk about this all the time about setting boundaries or doing these things. And it's easy when you're out of the house, but when you're back in and mm-hmm. it's time to really like, okay, you know, like if you are going a lot to so just ask like, Hey, where are you going? Like, it's okay for them to ask you that, but it might feel even for you, it might feel demeaning in the moment or like they're treating me like I'm a child or you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, it's such a it's such a weird balance, like learning these things and then actually applying them are two different things. That's for sure. <laughs> two very different things. Yeah. yeah. And that's why on both sides, even when we went and spoke at that um, Save the Michaels family group, mm-hmm. you, me and mom. And I remember saying a couple of times, like, it's, I know this is so much easier said than done, but right. the only way you get to it is by doing it. Yeah. And working on it and mm-hmm. trial and error. You know, somebody right. might get upset and defensive one moment, but whatever, you just recover from that and right. you keep going forward and communicating. Yes, you have to keep communicating. With your loved one because any kind of shutting down mm-hmm. is not going to do any good. Right. Not going to do any good. And that's huge. Yeah, so it's definitely been a big adjustment. But, I mean, I even handed, I took a bunch of <laughs> drug tests, pee tests from the Oxford house and gave them to mom. Yeah. Which I've done that that with with Christine. Yeah, I was like, here, and this is something, anytime, whatever. Right. If you're paranoid, whip one of them out. Yeah. You know, randomly, it doesn't matter. Obviously, it doesn't matter. Right. If it does matter, then, well, that's a good thing they're doing it. Yeah. (laughs) And that is something, too, I wanted to even share with mom, because she did tell me about the drug test, and I can, just knowing her personality, I know she would struggle, even if she was paranoid, to ask you to do that. And I was thinking, (laughs) son, like, if you want to just, like, because sometimes it's easy, too, to, instead of being reactive, to be proactive, in situations, especially with recovery, I feel like is a healthier option, obviously. And so like even just saying like, hey, I want you to take these once a month, you know, on mm-hmm. this day, you're going to take it. And or, you know, I can just give it to you a random time. But once a month, we're going to do it. And it's not because I'm not trusting you in that moment. It's just because this is what I want to do. This is part of what I want, you know, and just kind of and I think that's where that front work with boundaries, especially if you're going to be living in close proximity with someone who has struggled with addictions. It's so important to set the groundwork 
because when you're reactive, it, it's there's so much high emotions. And there are times, obviously, where you, all you can do is react in some moments and situations. But to kind of know what are your things and think about them. What are these things, these lines that you don't want crossed or what are the, the proactive things you want to set up and following through with that is it's critical. It is. Yeah, because once you kind of sway from that, it throws you completely off balance. Mm-hmm. I mean, I even think I think maybe she should have a time in her own head when she wants to do it. Right. As opposed, because it's so easy. You say, "All right, the first of every month, I'm going to give you a drug right, test." Right. Then you could cheat. I the mean, system. it's very right. easy to cheat the system, maybe right. with the exception of cannabis. Yeah. But even then, I mean, you could, I could smoke once or twice, right, in the beginning of the month, and not very much will probably cheat the, you know, the tests on the first of the month after, right. you know. So yeah, I think random test. I mean. But even if she just said in her head, like, I'm going to I'm going to give you one of these at some point mm-hmm. every month, like I'm not going to I'm just yeah. just so it's like a, that doesn't mean that I'm giving it to you because I think, oh, you're using. But just because I'm just doing this as mm-hmm. this is what the protocol that I want to follow is or, you know. Well, this was my motto always in Oxford House. Even if I do think you're using and you're not, it still shouldn't be a problem. Right. Because if you're not, then take it. Right. Yeah. I mean, you almost always knew. I mean, there was never once where a guy at the Oxford House got pissed off he had to take a drug test and he wasn't dirty yeah that's never happened yeah not once has somebody got pissed off and said i don't want to take one and they take one and they pass yeah i mean there's just there's no way right there's one guy resistance and there's probably something yeah of course why why else would you resist right if you're clean naturally you're going to be like you want to prove that person wrong right hell yeah i'll take a piss test right now right now all over that right in you (laughs) ew you're disgusting (laughs) (laughs) something's wrong with you (laughs) we had we had one guy that first took forever so we told him he had to take a drug test i knew the night before he was he was either I wasn't 100% sure. He was either like took way too much of his sleep meds or he was high. Yeah. It turned out he was high. But trying to get him to take a drug test, first he pulls out this his outpatient sheet from Horizon. No, look, I just took one. As if that means anything. Right. But it had stuff crossed off. So it had originally it had sent to the lab, checked in, and supervised was no. It said no, mm-hmm. not supervised. And that was crossed off. And then he rewrote it in uh, instant, yes, supervised, yes. <laughs> like you wouldn't know. <laughs> and and he goes to the same exact outpatient I go to, Uni Lawson, Horizon Health. And I'm just laughing because I'm like, first of all, I've gone here. This would never happen. Right. This would never happen. They would not do that. They A, if they did screw up, they would write in a completely different sheet. Right. They would fill out a new yeah. sheet. Yeah. Because they have tons of them and... They would be worried about something like this would happen. Yeah. (laughs) So I was like, that's wrong. And it was just so funny. And it had, you know, the things filled in. Oh, yeah, he did. He passed everything. Finally, we get him to take a test. He failed for three things after Mm. this was like six hours of, right, dude, you have to be able to pee by now. Come on. So finally, we're like, you have a half hour to pee. If not, that's a fail. Yeah. Finally, he just, he took a piss test, failed in three things he failed in. Mm. And it still is like, there's no way, man. There's just no way. <laughs> it's so interesting how, I mean, I teach high school students. And so two girls, they are sitting next to each other. I'm going around to collect their tests. The one girl had finished, I guess, a few minutes before. And the girl sitting next to her is still filling out her tests and has the girl who's sitting next to her. She has her paper in front of her. And I'm like, what are you doing? And she goes, no, I'm not cheating. I'm not cheating. I'm, I'm done. I was just looking to see, you know, what she put on there. And I said, 
you got to be. You're kidding, right? Like, you're going to really try to tell me right now you're not cheating? No, I said, miss, okay. I swear. I, I swear. said, I'm really not getting into it. And they're like, miss, you're crazy. Like, we're not cheating. And these girls are very different performance levels, okay? <laughs> I, I'm like, <laughs> So they're not grade. both intelligent? No. Like, okay. No. One is definitely significantly smarter than the other. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, I'll, I'll grade the test and I will definitely be able to tell if you cheated or not. First of all, the girl who had both papers in front of her, the one who was definitely copying off of the other, literally like has questions that she had marked a certain way, crossed off because she used pen, so she couldn't erase it. <laughs> and then circles the same exact answers. Every one that the one girl got wrong, she got wrong. Like it was so evident that they cheated. You could see that she crossed off and changed things. Like it was just ridiculous. And these girls were going to fight me to the death that they weren't cheating. I was like, I caught you with her paper in front of you. Like what? (laughs) And it just says it blows my mind to the point where I think they fully convinced themselves that they weren't Mm -hmm. cheating, that that did not happen. That was not what was going on. That was maybe it looked like it. And (laughs) and it was, you know, it's just so crazy how that's one thing that drives me nuts. If you get caught and I always say this to my students, if you get caught doing something, please just be honest about it. Like, just be honest. Oh, my God. It's tough because there's always that voice in your head saying, you might get away with it right. if you just keep lying. Right. Somebody might actually believe you. Hmm. <laughs> it is interesting. Always, there's just always that voice. Because I say the same thing. Like, you know you're going to piss dirty. Right. You know when why you Why not have just done it six test, hours ago and been done you with know, it? Well, why, don't, not, why not just tell us, yeah. hey, I'm dirty. I'm not going to pass. There's no point. Yeah. I'll start getting my stuff together. Like, right. Why? You why knew the outcome was going to be the because, same. Yeah. Because there's always that voice in your head. Hmm. Maybe I won't. Maybe... Yeah, maybe there's something wrong with this test and it, it won't read it. Maybe it magically left my system. <laughs> yeah, or maybe magic, whatever it is, yeah. you convince yourself, maybe somebody will believe this lie. Yeah. And I'll get away with it and I'll be okay. Mm. And I mean, I remember doing that. Some of the stuff I, and I say I was, I was very good at manipulating and lying. I yeah. mean, a lot of addicts always say that, but a lot of them are full of crap. Yeah. Because they're just dumb. But I was good at it for a time. But there's a point where you can't be. And that right. was some at of the, the end, stuff I was scrambling, doing. Man. Oh, my scrambling. gosh. When you told me you used that money to pay off someone you bought weed from two years ago or something. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Who's out here threatening you for some weed money right now? Like, what? <laughs> oh, my gosh. It <laughs> How is. How is this happening? And I was just like, this is not. I don't believe you. And you just kept trying to lie. And I was like, I don't believe you. You're lying. You're using again. And you just kept making up these things. I was like, I, I don't believe you. <laughs> No, what happened was a hurricane came <laughs> and it just wiped everything out. And I mean, you were giving me names of people that I knew that you were saying I should just make the story sound. <laughs> you know, that person that you used to work with at that place. Yeah, I bought some weed off of him. <laughs> what? That one guy that was there that one time. <laughs> it's literally oh, what it was like. like. I don't But it's funny. It, oh, it's ridiculous. But maybe in a different time and place, I would have believed you. You know, it's interesting how. It makes sense oh, yeah. why you thought you could pull things like that over me because you did for a long time. And I was like, oh, yeah, OK, cool. It, well, and then you want it. You want it to work. So, yeah, bad. you want to believe a lot of it is I want to get away true. with it. The other part of it is I'm sick of hurting people, but I can't stop doing what right. I'm doing. I mean, there's just so many things that go with it. And for it's the insane. family member, you know, there's this deep desire that to I wanted want. to believe you. Yeah. I wanted to believe that this was done even I mean. Even the way you got clean, you know, I don't think there are many people. I don't think there's anyone probably that effectively has gotten clean and stayed clean the way you did it. As far as you weren't working on anything, you just mm-hmm. were 
okay, I'm just going to stop, but I'm going to still drink and I'm going to still smoke pot and I'm going to still, you know, be in the same surroundings, essentially. Not, not work change on anything, anything. Not, not work on myself. About any yeah. of the shame and yeah. But I just wanted to believe, no, my brother's strong enough. He can do it. He, mm-hmm. He's got this. He'll be the one to do it, you know, because you just want to believe that this is done, that this isn't a part of your life anymore. Mm-hmm. That it's moved on. Right. And yet people want to believe that as much as the person doing it does. Yeah. I mean, even Christine was telling me this blowout she just had with her dad. She said, and I mean, I think I avoided this conversation with him for six years just Mm. because I knew what the result of it was going to be. Right. It was going to be this blowout Mm -hmm. of me calling him out on things that he's done wrong. Right. Him blowing out, not admitting to it, being defensive. And basically, I mean, she's shutting him out of her, his life, her life for now. Yeah. We know things so often, we know them, but we just don't want to face them. Mm-hmm. And so we just find ways around it. Right. All right, I'm not going to even bring it up. If I don't talk about it, it won't be there. And right. It's so funny because I talked about this in my presentation that you missed. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I talked about this in my presentation because it's just... It's such a beautiful thing, and it's something you constantly have to work on because this was the one thing that I in jail, I was like, I'm so scared of how powerful the mind is, mm. and you, it can make you believe things and do things yeah. that and you truly wholeheartedly believe and think you believe this, right. but you really don't. Mm-hmm. And one of the things was that I talked about in this presentation was being precise in your speech, and basically what he meant by it was that any little thing that bothers you, you have to name it and talk about it. You have to give it a name and you have to talk about it. Cause if you, cause if you don't, it'll only get bigger mm-hmm. and it stems into other issues. Right. And that issue masks itself underneath another issue. And then that issue masks itself under another issue. It just keeps and then eventually building. you're just on a gigantic ass pile of issues. Yeah. And it's just so important to find something and talk about it when mm-hmm. it bothers you. Even if I got defensive over something and me getting defensive was wrong, the fact that you bring it up and you talk about it stops right. it. Yeah. Because now you see it. There it is. Now I see it. Mm-hmm. I feel like you hit on, you know, we've been talking a lot about communication. And I think the other thing that goes with that that's necessary is community. Like if you don't have people to communicate with or to discuss these things with, even when you're talking about the mind being so powerful and it can, you can perceive situations a certain way that might in fact not be reality. You know, if you don't have people around you to talk things through with, to communicate with and kind of get these other perspectives and and see these situations from different points of view, you could make yourself believe anything, Mm -hmm. you know, and you see that. And that's something that I get fearful of too. Like I have been in conversations with people and I'm like, that is, that is not what happened. That is not what was said, you know? And it's, it's always great for me when I have a third party that was there that can either, you know, bring truth to it. um, Because it's very difficult to talk to someone who is convinced of something because of either past hurts. Exactly. Um, And those are things that they need to see on their own. And I think the biggest thing is trying not to get to that point in our lives, you know, where we're so fixated on something and maybe we didn't, I think about people with certain hurts or perceptions, like what if even like racism and stuff like this, like what if someone, when they first had that thought, sat down with a few people with different perspectives and talked about it, you know, and just got mm. it out there and like could see the the light or the truth in it or whatever it is, you know, and really see the reality of it instead of allowing those 
the perceptions to kind of build and build and build and build and mm. build until now you've created a whole worldview that you look at that can be misleading it's and skewed. not so yeah, exactly skewed. so skewed exactly and we all we all are guilty of it mm-hmm. because you get in this so we get so sucked into subjectivity as opposed to looking at things objectively yeah and it's so hard yeah. if we all looked at things objectively it's amazing like the issues that would be solved mm-hmm. because that and when you look at things objectively you get to put yourself in everybody's position right but no, it was so funny true. i mean that that um this blowout recently that i had with my good one good buddy that you know that's been he was been over to the house and like he was just making stuff up yeah like when he was flipping out at me and i was like i have no idea what you're talking about yeah right <laughs> and like when he spazzed out i was just i really was i was laughing but it was more of just a dumbfounded laughter because i'm like i have no idea right. like what world what are you, are you living in this? yeah what world are you living in you just made a bunch of shit up that i have no idea right and how you do you know? respond to that yeah and you yeah. can't well how do you convince that person otherwise no. i mean i remember having a conversation with your ex-wife that it was through texting which is never good anyways no um but there were things that were she was saying about me that I was like, that is not true. Like, that did not happen. And luckily for me, I had saved messages. Like, there were messages on my phone still because mm-hmm. I never delete my text messages that I was, like, literally screenshotting and sending to her, like, and trying to be as gentle as possible. Like, this is what was actually said in that conversation. Like, maybe I'm misreading that. Like, can you explain to me, like, how you interpreted what I said to be that? And she just wouldn't even acknowledge them. You know, I'm sending her these screenshots of things and she just wouldn't acknowledge them because she was just so stuck on the fact that I was against her or I was trying to plot against her. And, mm-hmm. you know, all these things that were not accurate. And it was affecting my relationship with Jason and Kayla, like not being able to talk to them while I was away and just crazy things. But I remember just being like at the end of it all, I can't control that. These are things I can't control. Mm-hmm. I just did the best I could to show her truth in that and she can't see it. And that is that is what it is. You know, I can't continue to carry a burden for something I can't fix. Oh, that's insane. Yeah. And she's she's a special kind of crazy. Difficult. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah, I don't even know where to begin with her. Yeah, we don't need to. Even I mean, oh, it's, it's insane. Yeah. I mean, but she's a great example of somebody who's been so consumed by hate and anger and resentment. Right. And and I knew, too, the second that she left Buffalo, that that distance would never benefit my relationship with her at all. You know, not that I wanted her to stay here or anything, but, no, like, but, yeah. but I knew that as soon as there was distance between us, that her brain would begin to wheel up things that I was against her or that I was, you know what I mean? That I was plotting something or whatever it is. And that's what it did end up doing after, you know, six, seven months of her being away. And um, I mean, it was hard for me because I I did really love her and genuinely care about her. Mm -hmm. And I considered her to be my sister. And so it was, that was difficult. I even read a journal. I was cleaning out stuff today and I read a journal entry about it where I just said that I was, I felt so hurt by the loss of even her. You know, mm-hmm. and that there was nothing I could do to fix it because she had a perception of me in her head. And I could all I could do from that point forward is try to just be who I was and any interaction I had with her as minimal as they were. And that's it. But not trying to convince her to, like, see me in a better light, but just to be myself, you mm-hmm. know, that I wasn't going to allow that to manipulate me to being someone that I'm not, you know, but it's hard. It's hard not to play that game. Yeah, then that's just ego Into, really is yeah. what it is, because you're like, I want this person to see I'm not what right. they're making me out to be. Right. And that's, yeah, you have that with so many people. Yeah. (laughs) 
I mean, really, it, and it's crazy. I mean, she's a perfect example of how powerful the mind can be and can you can manipulate yourself. And now she she was able to go into an environment where she could create whatever she wanted to, whatever yeah. image of all of us up here she could create when after we got divorced. Mm-hmm. And that's what she's still to this day, over six right. years later, she's still playing that. Yeah. That I'm the biggest piece of shit, you know, that yeah. she hates me, that I cheated on her, that this is all my fault. And like she plays this card to, to the death, to the fullest down mm-hmm. there, that yeah. we're all evil, s- manipulative, scumbag liars up here. Yeah. When in reality, like there's nothing I try, you know, how many emails I've sent to her trying to remind her. Do you remember like when our kids would only want me to get them in and out of the crib? Do you remember yeah. who was changing the diapers all? Do you remember who was taking care of the kids all the time? Right. Who loved doing it? Do you remember any of these things? Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously, again, she never responds. Right. She just ignores them. And it's just it's so funny. And then, you know, all she cares about is money. But she's a perfect example of somebody who has shaped her own reality to what she's wanted to be and she is fully immersed in it and fully believes yeah. every little bit of it and there's no telling her otherwise. Mm-hmm. And that goes back to what we were talking about with like community communication accountability. Like if you don't have accountability in your life of people who have experienced those things alongside of you to speak truth into that. You know, I know the friends I can go to and I can say, oh my gosh, and I can go bash someone and they're going to 100% support me and they're never going to say a bad thing about me. And I know mm-hmm. the friends that if I really want truth from and I want them to point out like, hey, Megan, well, also like you probably shouldn't have said this that way. <laughs> I know who they are and I know when I'm going to the one side because I'm like, oh, I just want to be affirmed and validated. Mm-hmm. And then the times where I'm like, no, I need I need to I kind need of to be really, put in my place yeah. and I want to make sure I'm actually being fair in this situation that I'm being kind that I'm being fair and that I'm not just looking at this from my perspective or victimizing myself or you know whatever it is I think it's all important that we have people in our lives that can really kind of press their thumb on those those parts of our lives that is huge yeah because as much as I've worked on many many years of my life being objective and being a realist there are there's times like in the, that's another thing like I swear up and down you know how much you know leaving the Oxford house and like oh it just it was terrible and it was the worst place ever but I had I was forced to work on so many things mm-hmm. patience you know assertiveness and I mean another one was being objective and like I remember this one guy I was like am I picking on him because I because I feel like I'm telling him all the time what he's doing wrong right and I had to constantly check myself and my you know, my my line was the guy I was closest to was Andre. My line was, if Andre did this, would I be annoyed and upset? Mm. That's how I would check myself. Yeah. But there's just people who are doing stupid things over and, and over and over up. again. Yeah. And you keep telling them, it's like, am I picking on this person or is this just for real? And I mean, just some people are just like, oh, my gosh, they don't learn. Yeah. And yet you do. And you have to learn to have those friends that you can go to. Mm-hmm. It'd be like, yeah, you probably shouldn't have done it this way. Right. Because that's, that, I mean, that's how you learn. Yes. The issue is, as I'm finding out more and more, and it's not even just in recovery, it's just in general, is people don't want to learn or change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that is you, because that's very hard work. It is. Nobody likes doing it. And I think there's something, too, within yourself, too, realizing, you know, setting boundaries for yourself, not for that person, but for yourself. Like, if this, if I walk in the house and this person starts going on this trail of, of conversation... I know that's going to make me do this. So I need to remove myself from that situation. You know what I mean? Like figuring Mm -hmm. out what those things are, because 
ultimately, like I always say, you can't like control everything that happens in your life, but you can control how you respond and how you react to it. And so a lot of times I'll catch myself doing things that are out of character and I can easily say like, oh, it's because this person did this or they're doing that or they're annoying me in this way or they did this Mm -hmm. to hurt me or whatever. Um, But I think that's where it's like for myself, I have to reflect on knowing myself and what makes me tick and what makes me get to these points of frustration or doing things like unhealthy behaviors and kind of like setting that boundary for myself. Like, okay, I need, I need to be reflecting on myself and what's going on and making sure that I am, you know, once again, being proactive and handling those situations. So I don't get to these points of frustration, but more than that, that I don't get to a point where I act in a way that I don't want to have character. Exactly. Oh, that's wrong. Like yeah. staying. And I think that's a process. Like I'm 28 years old and I have a lot of life, ahead of me potentially um but that just yeah i mean whatever it is what it is um but this like this refining process of like okay i want to get better each and every day at being more true to who i am and being willing to change obviously and grow in different areas but just not allowing situations in my environment to make me respond or be different than what i really think is true to who i am in my core you know it's such a hard thing though and i see women double my age still struggling with oh that my gosh. And, i mean women so and men. but i think it's part of life that refining process of like growing in that and i think sometimes society says no as you get older you should just care less and less but i i i kind of want to fight against that i guess and, and want to be mm-hmm. really aware you know it depends what you mean by care less and less yeah i guess because there's care good... less and less what people yeah. i don't want the approval of people yes of course but, but i also want to be kind <laughs> yeah there's people like one of the saddest things our father ever said to me was and i'll never forget and this was even before my addiction and everything it was i'm done learning i remember that conversation yeah. i'm done learning and to me i was like that's so sad what's the point yeah like that sucks that you're done learning and done changing but it's interesting because you could ask him in the next question, are you really happy with, with your life right now? And, and his answer, if he's being honest, would, would be, be no. absolutely not. No, he's he's miserable. Yeah. And I think that to me, I was like, I never want to be that. Right. That's my goal as I get older is just to always keep learning and never be that stubborn old human being who's like, I'm just done. Yeah. I'm not going to learn anything new. Because unfortunately, it's not like if you decide, okay, I'm not going to learn or grow anymore. You're going to just stop and stay where you're at. You're going to go backwards that's not and the, that's what's happening yeah life works out the way as in if you you stop paying attention you're gonna it's just drift. gonna build up yeah the pain the misery the suffering is just gonna keep building yeah and that's something that i feel like breaks my heart the most about you know even dad saying that is that i hate to see the joy that he once had begin to you know stifle fade yeah. or those characteristics and i think that is also what addiction does to you over time too, you know, as Mm -hmm. far as dad's drinking and that it will consistently weigh on you more and more and more. And even if you think you've hit rock bottom, if you're not actively trying to get help or be better, you will go deeper. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And I see, I see him like, I see him struggle so much as too with like, I know he wants that relationship we both have with mom, Mm -hmm. but that's the biggest difference is our conversations with mom are about growing. Yeah and strengthening ourselves and learning in life and when you don't want any of that you can only talk about one thing and that's what's going on in your life what are you doing as far as like jobs and things for fun or you talk about past events yeah and then other than that there's really not much conversation unless it involves introspection learning yeah changing and there'll be and it's so interesting too because there'll be moments of 
I've been really trying to be more patient and kind and loving because I realized that I was able to be more patient and kind and loving with you than I am with him. And that's mm-hmm. probably because, I, you know, since a young girl, I've been seeing the effects of alcohol in his life. But just like really trying to find even just a moment in time that is not affected by alcohol. And maybe it is for him. But in that moment, I'm perceiving it as like, okay, we're, just, you know, we went out to eat the one day and we went to Apollo. So we couldn't drink there. And he mm-hmm. was at a pretty good place before we went. And just to sit and have conversation with him where there wasn't a glass of wine in his hand. Like it was just important to me. And I just kind of want to hold on to those little things so that I can be more patient in the moments where he's acting a little ridiculous or, you know, he's drunk <laughs> and I can't even have a conversation with him. Oh, that's um, that I didn't understand even before I stopped drinking. Yeah. Like I was like, I don't understand why people get this drunk. Right. Like it's But foolish. when you think that he's, you know, he's been doing this for years and years and years and years. And it just is like, it's almost like when you talk about like needing more heroin, when you need it more mm-hmm. to get high, he probably just feels like I need more. And he's not even realizing that he's so drunk. Yeah. Because his body's telling him, no, you need more. You need more. It's it's a hard it's so difficult, you know, and it's just so socially acceptable drinking. And it's yeah, the hardest thing. The worst. I mean, with his buddies, it's cool that he gets, you know, that he drinks so much. Yeah. Oh, Jimmy, you were so messed up the other night. Yeah. Like it's <laughs> it's celebrated. We had to carry you out to the car. Yeah. And it's hard for me even not to fall into those conversations when they're happening because it just seems like, OK, no, it's, this is socially acceptable. This is fine. But really, it's like we're joking about something that for much of my childhood I mean, scarred me in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. You know, it really gave me a distrust towards men specifically in my life and a lot of like self-worth issues of just feeling like I wasn't worth it for him to stop, Mm -hmm. you know, and I know now that that thinking I've had to cut that off, like through learning about addiction with you, it's really helped me be like, okay, this is not just like I didn't start the addiction. I'm not going to take the blame for his drinking. Mm -hmm. I also don't control the outcome of him deciding to stop or not. But I remember being a little girl and writing these letters and thinking, okay, this one, I'm going to give this him this letter and he's going to be so, his heart's going to be so moved that his little girl wrote this letter and wants him to stop drinking because she loves him so much and he'll stop. And it just, obviously that was always, might maybe stop for a day or mm-hmm. two days or pretend it to stop for a month, you know, or whatever. It. But it always ended with the same disappointment. I think it is hard for, as humans, for us to communicate, even what you're saying with Christine and her dad, you know, it's so hard to be vulnerable because it could lead to such deep disappointment it is it yeah and like even even christine said like i knew this was going to be it i knew this was going to be his response somebody told me his girlfriend wife whatever she is her stepmom or whatever Mm -hmm. she even said if you give him if you have him choose between you or your ex-husband he's going to choose him Mm. just just so you know i'm sorry but he's going to yeah and i mean that's basically what happened and yeah we do we and I think so many people need to hear what you just said too, Megs, because there's so many people out there who are in relationships, whether it's their parents, their children, their their spouses that are like, why can't you stop? If you mm-hmm. loved me, you would stop doing this. Right. And it's just, I think that's so awesome you said that because that's so difficult because then you do feel like, am I not good enough for them to stop? Right. Do they not love me enough? Yeah. Am I not lovable enough? Right. And that's, that's super important because that's not it. And I tell people all the time that just that scene of, walking down to Christine's back mm-hmm. to the house to take stuff, crying because I didn't want to do it. Right. I knew how much this was going to hurt her. Right. That I was going back in the house and mm-hmm. taking stuff to get money for drugs. And it's just crazy. Right. It's so like the the addict mind is so crazy. <laughs> yeah. I 
I read this just to kind of, one of the last things I want to say. I mean, I don't know how we do it on time. It's not even 1.30. Oh, okay. Perfect. I read this like analogy thing once and it was like, this guy was getting ready for a journey and like God came to him and gave him three little rocks that he said, you know, I want you to take these to the top of the mountain. He lived in a small town at the bottom of the mountain. And he said, I just want you to take these three stones, these little stones. I want you to carry them up to the top of the mountain. And so he said, okay, yeah, I can do, I can do that. I, I can handle that. So he had like a little, um, wagon that he was you know kind of hooked up around his back and was gonna drag these little stones and whatever other little belongings he had and right before he left the town a friend came over and said hey are you where are you going like are you going on a trip and he said oh yeah i'm going to the top of the mountain and so the person said okay well do you mind just like taking these three these three large stones i have you know i know you see have those little ones but i have these big kind of rocks i guess they'd be called um do you mind just taking them for me because i i don't think i'd be able to carry them myself like do you mind taking them and he says oh yeah sure no problem just put in the wagon so the wagon of course gets heavier and Mm -hmm. he's pulling and he gets about halfway up and he's getting kind of tired so he stops for a break and this man kind of walks out of the woods and says oh my gosh where are you going and he says i'm going to the top of the mountain and the guy says oh i just have one boulder that there's no way i'm going to be able to get it up there but i need to get it up there can i put it in the wagon for you and so he puts it in the wagon and the guy gets ready to keep going and he gets to a point where he's got blisters on his feet he can't pull it anymore he's exhausted he throws the wagon down and he says like god i just don't understand like i can't there's no way i can do this this is too much for me to do i can't do this and then he says to him like i never intended for you to carry all of this i gave you those three little stones and that's what you need to carry up to the top of the mountain and you've started taking on all this other stuff for people Mm. and now you can't do the tasks that i've given you and it, it hit me so hard when i read it because I've always struggled with taking on the burdens of other people. You know, even with you, I the mm-hmm. instantly that night I was I was crushed. I felt like I was in jail that night. Like and I wasn't, <laughs> but I was just crushed. I was just and I came over here to try to comfort mom and mom couldn't be consoled. And I just felt like I don't know what to do right now. I felt so out of control and I couldn't take her burden. I couldn't take your burden. And I just remember feeling completely depleted of any any energy I had, any love, joy, anything that I had that is good. I felt like it was just gone. I just couldn't couldn't give anything. And I think so many times in life and even when we're dealing with others who are going through things, we want to carry those burdens. We want to take those stones. And of course, there's community and we should be helping each other and loving each other, but also making sure that we are able to do the task that we have been given. Mm-hmm. You know, if I can't be my best in the things that I need to do, that are valuable work because I'm taking on everyone's emotions and everyone's feelings that I'm not effective and I can't help that person when I really need to help that person, you know? And so I think there's such a good balance that needs to occur between this. We're fighting together. We're a community, but also making sure that you are doing what you need to do for yourself in some sense, being selfish and taking care of those things that you need Mm -hmm. to take care of. And I think it's, it's hard. I remember talking at Save the Michaels about like community. We need community. You need to hear the the stories of others and you do and you need to encourage other people. But that doesn't mean you need to take on the weight of everyone's problems, you know, and I think that is very difficult for families specifically who are supporting addicts and they want to control. And even like with dad, like I wanted to control. I want to make him stop. I want him to get better. I want to fix this for him. And, and we can't, you know, and so. Just this constant idea of really those three little stones. What are those three little stones that you have before you that you need to carry? And what are the things you don't, you know, and just kind of like finding that balance. Mm, That's awesome. Yeah, that's huge. Mm -hmm. We do. We love taking on other people's stuff. It brings us self-importance. It brings us, you know, all these things. And it is like a great thing to help people. It's a great thing. But it goes back to, and I talked about this with that therapist, Brittany, in this last episode, how if you're 
don't love yourself, if you don't take care of yourself, you can't help anyone. You can't help anybody. No. You'll have little brief moments of helping people because I've, you know, I've looked in my past, my whole life, I've wanted to help people. Mm-hmm. And I have, but I haven't been able to do that in a complete and fulfilling way. Right. Up until recently. Now where I feel like that's I'm on that journey of helping people effectively. And, yeah. Yeah. Effectively. And it's where it's fulfilling. And I feel like, all right, I'm taking my three little stones up. Yeah. And like you said, yeah, we are supposed to help people and you help people push that wagon, their wagon up. Right. You don't carry it up for them. Right. You help them push that wagon up. That's key too. Yeah. And 100%. I think that's, that's the, that's the big difference. I'm making sure my wagon gets up there with my stones, but if you need help and I can help you along the way, I will help you push. Right. Or pull. Whatever yeah, I would do everything I can yeah. to help you. Yeah. No, that's cool. But when it comes down to it, my stones are getting up there. Yeah. <laughs> like I have to do what has been given mm-hmm. to me and do it well. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's awesome. That's a, that's a good little story analogy there. Mm-hmm. A fable, whatever they are. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it is more like a fable. But yeah. That's awesome. How long we got? We got, what, 45 minutes till the kids get in? Yeah. It's exciting. Well, we'll leave in, what, 20 minutes? Mm-hmm. I know. Well, this was a great episode. Yes. A midnight episode of Room 9. A little midnight episode. I think you had to get a special like jazzy music Before, intro yeah. for this one. The night. The night The night of Room 9. Room 9. The night show. Kind of sounds bad like Room 9. Night show. <laughs> sounds like we're going to some what cheap motel or this something. Room? What's happening here? <laughs> Okay. All right, sis. Thank you for coming on. Yes, thank you. I think for you, had, you had some awesome points. Thank you. And this is episode. This will be late thirties episode anyway. Nice. And last time we did one was about thirty episodes ago. That was That's episode crazy. five. This episode thirty six was the last one I put out. So a lot of good things in between. Oh yeah, a lot of equipment upgrades. Thank you yes. to everybody who supports and helps. Yes, keep That's doing huge. it. That's huge next thing is an audio interface although it lasted it didn't stop it didn't screw up we'll see how the sound came out awesome we shall see but all right mix i love you love you too all right peace out y'all peace all right y'all thank you for listening as i said in the beginning this was a great episode I loved it. It was a late night episode that we did waiting for my kids to get into town and it came out really well. You can kind of hear the tiredness in my voice throughout it, but it just was awesome to sit down and hit record with my sister and have this conversation. And okay, well, that is about it for this week. As always, room9podcast.com. Check us out. What's going on there? Fill out a contact form. Help us out in any way you can by sharing everything on your social media platforms or helping out monetarily with the support page on our Room 9 website. Other than that, you guys have a great week. And as always, I will be talking to you next Monday. Later.